Yeah, just a PSA before we get started here. Uh, if you're going to do a podcast that's by yourself, please do not spend like two hours listening to the Digimon the Movie soundtrack before you get it, because now you have earworms stuck in your head for the next, you know, probably day. Anyway, let's get started. Santa Claus, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I can't do that voice for a full episode. Hi, welcome to the podcast, Jordan Haas. I'm Jordan Haas, the host. This is the show about the internet and pop culture and streaming stuff. It's a everything pod. It's a, you know what, I'm a variety podcaster. I heard that's the new thing you have to say now is if you, if you don't have a niche, you just say you're a variety. And then everyone just goes, yeah, so I'm a variety podcaster. Even though I think it's probably more TV critic. <laughs> it's a television show, podcast mostly. Um, but, but define what a TV show is these days because everything's on the fucking internet, right? <laughs> hey, how about that Andor, right? How, how about that? Uh, how about the Peacock and the Paramount Plus, right? Right? Huh? That's what we're doing now. How about the YouTubes? We're talking the YouTubes. We're talking the video games. It's that you play on the fucking Twitch. And then if you can't afford it, you watch someone else play it. Like a giant infomercial for a video game that you're never gonna play. Hi. Welcome to the, the show. Uh just uh just to keep everybody updated here, I have not been contacted by Microsoft yet, so I'm still stuck doing nothing. Snuffin' has been happening, and, uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep waiting on that. Uh, so what I've been doing recently has just been playing Rocket League on Steam. Apparently, uh, so, <laughs> when I was playing Fall Guys on Switch, it was linked to a different account, so I had to try and unlink it, link it there, and now I can finally play as my, my favorite character, the iconic bisexual burger boy himself, in the game, so I am so happy I can play Fall Guys as my character with my unlocks on the Switch. I still don't know how that works with Rocket League. I haven't checked, but if I can finally figure out like which one is the quote unquote main, <laughs> that would be fantastic. So that way I can figure out where to throw credits and, and just build the cars. I'm still a little pissed because I think I bought the Batmobiles on the PlayStation 4 version of Rocket League and they didn't transfer over. So I'm a little annoyed at, in certain locations, but eh, it's the, uh, the the Rocket League's still one of my favorite little like side games, as it were. Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's packed because World Cup is going on and here's a soccer game. Yes, I will say soccer, not, not football, because one, there's no feet in this car game. So it's easier to say soccer, or soccer, I guess. We should say soccer, right? Oh, well. Joke died. I died. Look, we're not even five minutes in. We had a joke. It's dead. We'll just move on, right? 
This is this is how it must feel like to work a, a late night talk show during a pandemic with no audience feedback, right? Okay. Uh, so uh, Monday had Spotify Wrapped. Hey, did you guys, do your Spotify Wrapped? Did you share it? I did. Everyone has been loving the Spotify Wrapped. Uh, so you can learn how much music and time you've wasted on Spotify. And I've grown to learn that I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty useless at Spotify. I think I used YouTube Music more than Spotify this year. And that's only because a lot of the music I listen to is like, you know, soundtracky songs and theme songs, and they're not really available on Spotify. But they're also not really available on YouTube, so you just kind of have to drag and drop your music collection onto YouTube Music and then hope for the best. Uh, for instance, the Digimon soundtrack, which is what I've been listening to. Um, but if you try and listen to it on Spotify, you only get the licensed songs, like One Week and like uh, All Star, but you don't get like the iconic, like, hey, Digimon, hey, Digimon, no, none of that. Not the Digi rap. You don't get the Digi rap. So I had to basically search all over my own personal collection to hear it because I know it's on YouTube and I'm not going to go through the YouTube notions. I want to go through my own personal collection. Anyway, uh, so if you're wondering, the, the my top song, according to Spotify, is one Jonah Ray album. So congratulations to Jonah Ray and your Weird Al Yankovic uh, homage track where you do punk rock covers of Weird Al songs. I guess you're my, my I'm your biggest fan. Hey, <laughs> what are you doing these days? Mr. Sense Theater? Okay. Um, that's been a lot of interesting things. Uh, my soundtrack has really just been like one hit wonders. I, I, you know, a lot of people when they do Spotify rap, they kind of go, oh, wow, this is, I'm very basic with my collection. Or I have very gay anthems, which is like, well, you're listening to divas from the 70s. Like, of course you are. Maybe uh, you could listen to more than just Diana Ross or Beyonce or Britney Spears. You should listen. You should. You know what? I think we are all guilty of listening to the Vanga Bus way more than we should admit. I think that should be the new Spotify Wrapped. Is how long? How many times did you play the Vanga Bus song this year? Oh, you played it fourteen times. Okay. That one. That song. All right. Um. So. Uh, it, 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 it kind of said I only listened to it for 44,000 hours or no, 44,000 minutes, 44,000 minutes. And that's pretty accurate for Spotify. It does kind of tell you like, what am I spending money for other than the ad free ability for Spotify, which by the way, I'll say is kind of worth it because I do sometimes listen, listen to podcasts and I do sometimes fall asleep to Spotify because the music soundtracks and the go to sleep tracks. And I do not want to go to sleep hearing white noise and ocean breezes. And like, then suddenly, you know, with a postman, you can do something to deliver food, deliver this one to that. And hey, if you need pharmaceuticals, no, no, that's that. I think that's some sort of subliminal messaging my brain. 
And I don't want to do that. So if you're falling asleep to my podcast, uh, please wake up. <laughs> please wake up. I'm not going to wake you up, but please wake up. Uh, because I don't have, want to do sponsor reads and then make this podcast feel weird. So please wake up and enjoy the show. Or not. I mean, go back to sleep. You do you. It's a lazy day. You deserve it. Uh, but also, one thing that's been on my mind with Spotify is we've been sharing the Spotify wrapped, right? This whole Spotify rap thing. But I thought we were boycotting Spotify because of all the, like, the Joe Rogan anti-vex people on. Like, they got Jordan Peterson on there, and they got, like, Alex Jones. One of the Alex Jones videos. But it's a lot of anti-vax people on Joe Rogan, and we were in a, such a huffy-puffy. We are like, we're going to stop our Spotify's. But I... I are we hypocrites because we're now excited about Spotify wrapped or did we just forget about that this year because, Oh, everything's now open again. And, uh, well, the vaccines, well, we, well, well, we're fine now. Well, if we'll, we'll get to that road when it happens. All right. It's exactly, here's what I'm predicting. We'll be doing the same thing for Kanye. I 100% believe we're going to end up just like, oh, well, Kanye is okay now. We're fine with Kanye after what has occurred with all this anti-Semitism, pro-Hitler, weird, fucked up white supremacist attitudes for a guy who, for all records, I think needs help. I think he definitely needs help. He's clearly off the rails. And I think the problem is, because we know he has bipolar disorder, right? But we also know his circle of friends, he's pushed away. His real circle of friends, like the people probably in his music career, the people in Kim's life, they pushed him away. Don't know why, but they pushed him away. So now the only people in his circle are these grifting assholes who are like the like the guy who got upset by an upside-down hamburger, Nick. Nick Fuentes, that guy. Uh, or Milo. Remember Milo? Elon loves Milo. I, I don't know. I don't know how that is. I should. I'm pretty sure there's going to be on like some sort of weird fascist website, some fan fiction for Elon and Milo making out or something. And more and more people, Alex Jones, Kanye West, you name it. And he is not stable. But he got suspended from Twitter because he uh, he posted a photo of Elon Musk, that photo of Ari Emanuel and Elon Musk, and also some swastikas, I heard. Uh, but yeah, that's a little, it's really silly stuff. Um, so I, I think he, Kanye West is in a lot of trouble. Uh, I think Elon Musk is in over his head. And I think he's, just, and so is Donald Trump, he's, he's all running for president. So what I'm trying to point out here is that these three are like the main characters every fucking day now on the internet. Like, like it used to be, you know, like, oh, Bean's dad or the cinnamon toast crunch shrimp tail guy. But no, it's like every day is now Kanye did something, Donald Trump said something, and Elon Musk broke Twitter yet again because it seemed like every day this week was one or one of those three in the news for some reason. 
Donald Trump uh, denounces DeSantis, Kanye West posts swastika, talks to Alex Jones, Elon Musk unsuspends and resuspends, Kanye West has a microchip thing. It killed monkeys, but it's perfectly safe for human consumption now. It's it's the same old shit over and over again. And it, it's I will be honest, it, it's fucking annoying. But it's all three of these people have one thing in common, egotistical maniacs who are self-centered and can't deal with even an ounce of criticism because they are all, for lack of a better word, uh, selfish. I don't think Elon Musk is a good person. I don't think Donald Trump is a good person. And I don't think Kanye West is a good person. A lot of people like Kanye, though. But I think that was before all this shit happened. And they were willing to put up with, like, the MAGA hat, Kanye. But, like, I think they kind of missed the old vote or die Puff Daddy kind of Kanye West, right? Because that's all he's doing is just playing off Diddy's playbook, right? He wants to be Diddy. He wants to be Jay-Z. He wants to be Dr. Dre. But he can't. <laughs> he's a fashion guy. And his claim to fame is Crocs but Lines? And that's, and that's his clothing, and people spent money for him, and now they're kind of confused. I suggest you spend that money on Summit Ice, Nathan Fielder's uh, trademark uh, clothing company line. But Donald Trump's running for president again, and then it's like, well, should we enable DeSantis? Should we do Don How about no? How about they're both assholes? I'm getting tired of people trying to say, well, DeSantis is good. No, he's not. Did you forget about the Don't Say Gay bill that happened that got into a big frenzy with Disney? Did you forget about the, like, kidnapping uh, people and sneaking them across the country just to drop them off at someone's house? He's still a fucking psychopath asshole. There's no need to give him the benefit of the doubt just because he's not on Twitter saying, sad, loser, wokeness, political correctness, bad. No. Because he's still saying that shit. It's just now with more syllables in his dialogue. He's trying to do the gotchas right now. And the problem is, it's the same kind of rhetoric and the same kind of dialogue that got Ben Shapiro some credibility like a few years ago. With the, It's the same word-for-word -word lines he has said that Ben Shapiro has said in like YouTube videos where it's like, he destroys, like, feminists with logic and reason. Ben Shapiro. Like, that shitty videos. Same fucking annoyance. That's that's what you're dealing with Ron DeSantis. Maybe don't vote for DeSantis. Maybe don't vote for Donald. And maybe hold Joe Biden accountable for getting rid of railroad rakers' paid sick leaves. I think that's a piece of shit thing, too. And I don't think we're going to really be ready to cover that on Political Corner here. But I think the Dems for basically holding back the railroad strike by basically getting a paid sick leave kind of fucking sucks. And I think what we're dealing with with Hakeem Jeffries trying to run for president is we're going to get a more centrist Democratic Party because we don't want to go too far to the left because it won't learn anything. But people are fucking dying and people are homeless and people need jobs and people need food and people need a place to stay and rent is high and there's no health care prices and you're one sick day away from losing it all. But you can't take the paid sick day off so you have to go back to work. 
it becomes a vicious cycle where essentially one wants to hurt you and one wants to do nothing. That is American politics in a nutshell. There is no, well, they're like the Labor Party. No, it's just like the Lib Dem Party. <laughs> and even like the UK Conservative Party, as fucked up as they are with social rights, because they have had a history of transphobia and homophobia in their party, has at least given positive thoughts in certain social issues that are necessary, including, hey, you know, maybe the whole thing about getting rid of the National Health Service was kind of a bad idea. We need to work around and try to fix this. Hey, good idea. They know when they make mistakes and they try to fix it. But that's the only thing I could say is still better than what we have now in America where it is... The, the closest we get to a progressive is people like Bernie Sanders, and he's not even very progressive. So then we try to chalk it at people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad. But those are people in Congress, and they don't get the votes because why? They have to be pushed aside. They have to cut the beds. They have to do this. They have to do that. So basically what amounts to... It's essentially like a Subway sandwich. I will say the, the, the American government is a Subway sandwich. You're promised a, a big, meaty, delicious sub, right? Foot-long, meat, juicy sandwich. And instead, what you get is like, it's not a foot-long, it's like 11 inches. It's, it's somewhat bread, right? And we're only putting the bare amount of meat on there, like four slices, if you want, you can pay a higher premium and get double. Uh, and then we're just going to shove all this lettuce on there and hope that you are like in a nice, it's a nice, hearty, healthy sandwich now, right? We, we're, and then we'll just, just to throw you a bone, we'll just put on some, some mustard or some sauce because that's what you really wanted was something mustardy, right? So that's, that's politics. What a great lesson we learned. Anyway, Kanye West, Donald Trump, and Elon Musk are also Republicans. Uh, and they all have very shitty values in social commentary about essentially everybody. And they will chalk any sort of social justice action to woke and they get angry because that's what Fox News told them. And if not Fox News, that's what One America told them or Infowars or one of these other shitty places. And we're going to be stuck hearing Elon Musk for the next few years until Twitter shuts down and crashes and burns, which I thought was going to happen a couple weeks ago, right? That's why we all decided to go to Hive, right? We're all supposed to go to Hive. Hive, remember, our co-host? We were talking about, remember, we were going to, it's still going on? Yeah, okay. Neat. So so Elon Musk is going to keep talking microaggressions, and every tweet he's going to give is equivalent to a Trump tweet. He's Trump tweeting on Twitter now, and people still think he's a fucking genius. I, I, I talked about this last week. I'm, I'm repeating myself here. I know this. There is no difference between the Red Cap MAGA people and Elon Musk stands. They're both the same kind of bootlicker. The only difference is for most MAGA Red Cap people, they kind of live in like rural areas. They kind of only listen to conservative news media. And it's places that are cheap or free. And that is your one America's that is conservative talk radio. So when a Donald Trump rolls around and he's a big celebrity, they're going to fucking love him because, hey, the guy on the radio that people say is great, 
I'm gonna listen, he's here, that's great. And they're gonna get brainwashed into saying that's great. Makes sense. For Elon Musk, he lives, it's mostly blue states. It's mostly progressive-y, well, hurricane's not progressive, it's mostly the Silicon Valley area of, of California. But it's a lot of people who think if I lick his boot more, I will get a free Tesla or I will get a ticket to Mars. I will. And it's very kind of it's a very broken brain. It's the kind of thought process that it's like I just took my mom died and my dad died in a plane crash. It's very sad. And I'm heir to all of their life savings. And I'm going to invest it all in Dogecoin. And you were going to the moon. And you were either with us or against us. And I can't wait for you to go back to your loser minimum wage job. And then they just bust out because they went through FDX. And then they're pissed. But, you know, like, that's just the risk and liability. It's all fun. We just, we just need Wall Street bets and it'll be fine. No. No, and don't do fucking Wall Street bets either. I get it. GameStop. The, the, no. The reason the GameStop thing happened was because it was like an Occupy Wall Street situation where people were getting sick of, you know, debtors taking companies away especially during a pandemic when they were most viable and easy to basically destroy. And GameStop is definitely one of those contenders because the gaming market is going digital now. You'll see a lot more purchases on the PlayStation Store, the Nintendo eShop. You'll see more things on the Xbox Store or Game Pass. You'll be seeing things be purchased more as digital assets on Steam or Epic Game Store or Humble or if it's blah, 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 blah. you know those places. <coughs> So they're all buying digital. Physical copies like limited run games, those are usually at the limited run store. Or if they're going to be in niche areas, you might see them on Amazon, you might see them at different gimmicky places. So a place like GameStop is, is one that's like going down because who goes? Places like AMC are similar. Although I argue the AMC closing is because they bought a lot of of, of uh, movie theaters and they can't sustain themselves with too many movie theaters in a market that's going down because of the pandemic. And signs are saying that they're not really going to recover because Hollywood movies are tending to be the only movies people see in theaters are these superhero blockbuster movies and nothing else that's quote-unquote cinema anymore. So what you're trying to do is try to split off the theme to have cinema theaters, and then you'll have your big 40 Ultra HD Marvel movie or Star Wars movie. Right, that's the, that's the difference between the theaters, but the movie companies aren't going to want that because that takes a lot of money and effort. So they want more experience-based movie theater experiences, and that's going to take a little bit of money and time, and they can't afford it. And GameStop is going is pivoting to controllers, keyboards, monitors. It's essentially becoming a Radio Shack. GameStop is Radio Shack. So when you see people like, yeah, Wall Street, well, this is good. We can do it for Bed Bath & Beyond? No. No, kids don't give a shit about Bed Bath & Beyond. You, you go, you know what? Yeah, go, you know what? Try this. Go Christmas, like Christmas this year. What do kids want for Christmas? Uh, video games, movie tickets, maybe? They want a bike because they want to go biking. Uh, they want experiences. They want cool shit, right? I don't think like a seven, eight, nine year old 
the first thing on their list is going to be something like, you know what I want? Pillowcases. And not the, the like the Naruto horny pillowcases. We're saying a nine-year-old, you sick fuck. They're not going to say a pillowcase. They're going to say like a Beyblade. Or they're going to, if they, or if it's something nice like food, right? They're going to want food. They're going to, if, if, and then it's like, Something for work or something, not work, and they're nine-year-olds, but like things for like school, like a, a computer, a technology gadget, something. They, they, they're kids. These are kids that then grow up and they still love these things like computers and movies and bikes. You're not getting rid of that. And the problem is that's the direction you need to take you got to think like a like a child here you gotta think of things that parents will buy for their kids because they will not get rid of it in any way um but no wall street bets will want you to spend money like these elon musk bootlickers on really dumb shit and when you see people like adam conover firmly if adam ruins everything funny comedian Great guy, um, host of the Crystal Maze on Nickelodeon, uh, formerly host of Crystal Maze on Nickelodeon. Oh, I feel bad. Uh, say why Elon Musk is not smart. And then have people go, how dare you, Adam? You're a nobody comedian and Elon Musk is smart because he's rich. Folks, I just want to remind people, Eric Trump exists. Don Jr. exists. They're not really smart. And if you want to take Trump's word for it that he's a billionaire, then technically aren't they billionaires, right? So, no, I don't think so. I think they could be rich and very stupid. That's pretty much how they make money is exploiting others. That's not a smart move. That's just violation of many labor laws and then trying to find a good attorney uh, to get you out of that jam. Anyway, Twitter is still gone to shit. A lot more layoffs have been happening. A lot more lawsuits have been happening. And Elon Musk has basically been knee-jerk reacting every idea possible. People are still going to Twitter, myself included, to which I need to remind people, if you're going to, like, doom and gloom Twitter, just fucking stop going to Twitter. Seriously, you're not missing much. I understand you have DMs and all this, but if you were going to go your this is closing, sky is falling situation, just go. Seriously, we talked about this. Go somewhere else. Go to YouTube. Go to Instagram. Go to Discord. Go to uh, TikTok. I understand there's not a lot of text-based microblogs out there, but you might have to go back to Tumblr. I'm sorry. Go 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 old school. Go to Live Journal, right? That, that's we'll 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 get a web ring going. Go get the web ring going. Let's go to Lycos. Let's get our let's get our websites. Get the middies and under discussion gyps on the on the works. Um. So yeah, that's that's about it. I I think it's really really dumb, really dumb people. We focus way too much on these idiots because. It, for some reason, they control our lives. And I think it's time you just say, could you like stop? But you can't because we are a dumb country and a dumb internet. Elon Musk thinks Twitter is America and not a global company with global rights in many countries that's going to quickly end up in a lawsuit against the EU. And then we have to have all of these fights going on. That's going to be fantastic.
So please, just find something else. Listen to podcasts. Listen to this podcast instead. It's like a tweet if I was tweeting over and over again. And it's talking. And it's a one-sided conversation, so I don't have to hear your comments. Although, if you want to give a comment, please head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Haas, and let me know what you think of this week's episode. Also, I am on Discord, and there's the Jordan Haas Friend Club with more fun stuff. The final thing going on right now is AI art. Um, Lensa AI is the new the new hotness that's been making the rounds. The new something where you give your photos and then the internet takes them, and now they have your your likeness on file to sell. Uh, they have this new AI art program that everyone has been uh, well, not everyone, but people have been taking and snapping the photos. And seeing what what pops out, right? And it's like a what four dollars, five dollars for like a hundred of these little avatar things. And some people have been taking it. A lot of my uh, old friends have been doing it, and a lot of strangers have been doing it. And it's and a lot of them are okay AI art. I'll say okay, tolerable AI art. Uh, I picked my favorites and actually have used them. My favorite one is the one that's actually on my Twitter right now that I have saved like everywhere because I think it's of all the art, one of the smartest, silliest ones where it's like me as like an astronaut walking in like empty voids of space with like a moon in the background. And there's just like a burger in the background. And I didn't take any photos of like me with the burgers in the back, even though I know if you watch my uh, Twitch streams, there's the hamburger in the background that I thought was really funny and cute that I just like, oh, that's actually really smart. And there's a lot of, like I said, tolerable, okay, adequate art that came from it. And I decided to put that pretty much everywhere that would let me. So Instagram has one good one. The Discord has one. Tumblr has some. So everywhere there is a cool photo of me from an AI app, which I thought was really cool. I think it's pretty cool. Like, as far as technology is there, that that's actually really cool in comparison to, I would say, like going to Disneyland and getting one of those sketches of yourself. And then they just draw you with a really big nose and big eyes. And then you're like, do I really have a big nose? And then you you kind of just doubt yourself for like the next 17 years. Um, but it's it, it's it's a good it's a good idea, good art app. I'm but the problem is once again, there's many problems, and we'll get to those. First, I'm gonna say the good. Hey, for the price, you get 100 cool avatars. Uh, it's it's kind of like a gotcha where you don't know what you're going to get. And the designs are really cool because, hey, uh, it almost, a lot of people have been looking into it like almost like tarot cards where they're like, oh, so this is what the internet thinks of me or what this lens app thinks of me as. And that's kind of cool. I can identify as like a Celtic god, right? <laughs> anyway, the bad side is that it's all stolen art. A lot of it is art that's stolen from DeviantArt and other good artists. A lot of hand-drawn art that they've copied and pasted and blurred and mixed up and then overlaid people's faces on them. Uh, secondarily, even though this art is yours and it's there, it's also they took your likeness and they could do whatever they want. If you read the fine print, 
uh, which means that your face and likeness could be used for stolen IDs, or most likely, I'm just gonna guess here, in a few years when bots are gonna come back on social media and they're gonna use that photo you just took to be an icon of someone's avatar as they see some really offensive shit. Just thinking that's gonna happen. Uh, in addition to stolen art, this also kind of demeans artists in a little bit more of a way because a lot of people make their money off commissions, right? And commissioned art is anywhere between 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200 dollars. It depends on who you get as your artist and how well they can draw. And a lot of these people don't really do commissions of I'm gonna draw you. Uh, so uh, for 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 a person like me, the defense is nobody fucking draws me unless I it's like, hey, I will give you money. Uh, and even then it's very cheap because I only have like $40 in my PayPal. Um, so, I mean, and the ones that have done a lot of art for me have done amazing work and I love it. And I would like to commission more. Uh, that's basically what I want. It's like, I want more fan art. If you can draw art for me for free, I will use that more often than I would Lenza apps. But for right now, Lenza has been kind of doing good for me in this regard. Um, but when artists need money and this is their sustenance, it's it's a big fight, right? And I, I, I would love to commission more artists for work. And I think this is definitely going to uh, be the same kind of critique that you're going to hear in the music industry or movies, the piracy debate even though it's not piracy it's a computer stealing people's art why pay somebody 50 bucks that i can do on lenza for three dollars it's the cheaper option and it's a computer and it's good enough but like with an artist you know there's creativity there's style and it's fantastic to me that's what i love also I would love more art to be more different. I would want more like painted art. I want like sculpture art. I want more outside the box kind of art. Like to me, that's the kind of portraits I love. I want like someone trying to make me out of spaghetti. <laughs> like just like the kind of thing that would make like Taskmaster Task. That's the kind of thing that, that I think are really fun to, to, to dwell into. But um Lenza, yeah, people are enjoying them. People are making avatars. And there's going to be this big debate on the ethics of it. Uh, and I'm not, I hate to sound like the both sides person, but the consumer will definitely be willing to use, to st take their likeness and face and don't care about the stolen art if it means getting a cool photo for $2, $3. Uh, while the artists themselves, will upload shit to DeviantArt or Twitter or whatever just to get their name across and not really make money except on Patreon or Substack or Pixiv or what's the, the other, uh, what's the, I'm drawing the blank again. What's the place where you, you send money and then it's like for $5 and you get a zip file, one of those. It, it That's going to be the place. Um... And I think we need more creativity out there in the world. And I think a lot of people have good ideas. And a lot of artists really want to get their 
image across and there's a lot of talented artists and i'm not just trying to be like hey, the horny ones are great no i mean like even outside of like the yaoi hentai art that we look at mostly uh when we look at cute drawings of animals when we look at great pictures of mystical lands and background art that look like futuristic cyberpunk cityscapes or original characters that are complex. And these are stories that somebody has had since high school and they have since graduated from art school and they still want to get their name across. There are people who want to make the next Homestuck for some reason. And that's what they're trying. And I, I want these people to succeed. And it sucks that they're learning the internet doesn't care because it's crushing dreams, just like it's crushed mine. It's crushed my dreams, and I don't want these people to feel the same way. They deserve everything. But also, these are really cool pieces of art, and I'm still not going to change my avatar uh, until I get something cool, because I'm stubborn like that. So take that. Blah. No, um, but yeah, that's. I hope that that makes sense. I think commissioning art is great, fantastic. Please support artists small and large and also if you are a crappy artist or you're just starting out keep drawing keep posting the crappy art you will get better over time hopefully uh the more you take classes the more you learn about shading the more you learn about lines the more you learn about alternatives to photoshop because i don't know if you notice artists are turning away from photoshop now because of that monthly or is it yearly fee now and it's like really expensive and that was like a few years ago they started implementing this i thought it was like a one-time fee like you put in your like hundred bucks and then here you go go have fun with your wacom but no so i hope there's alternatives i hope everyone enjoys paint shop pro or paint tool sci and make some really cool art uh also I would love to see more art. I, I love seeing drawings. Uh, some of my favorite things that make me smile are all those cute fan arts of Kirby. I think the, all the cute ones, it's like Kirby eating pasta and Kirby uh, taking a nap. They're just so cute and I want more of those. I just love to see more Kirby. It makes me very, very happy. Anyway, now that I've, I've people are gonna get angry at me because I defended and also did the defensive, um, it's time to do the other exciting segment here. Let's go into the gaming world. Now, unfortunately, the only game I really played this week was Spider-Man. Uh, the game played on PC. I bought it because it was on sale for 45 bucks. And man, what a wonderful uh, video game. I've, I'm still very early on. I haven't gone really into anything. I haven't even met Aunt May yet. Um, but... I've already beat the game before, so I know it happens. Uh, <laughs> but it's such a great game, even on PC. Problem is, my PC is is a little bit freaking out sometimes when Spider-Man's going down the street, so it freezes up to load up the cityscape, which tells me I'm at bare minimum quantities for this game, which means my computer's getting old now. <laughs> um... I don't know how long I'm going to... I want to try and play it enough to get completion and then uninstall again, but I've been having so much fun with Spider-Man again, and it's been great. 
but that's not really a new game, and I know that every week there are brand new games out there. But I, a lowly guy, don't really have time to play all these games, but I have time to watch YouTube videos and Twitch streamers of these games. So it's time for another rendition of third-person reviews? We'll just call it that. Third-person reviews. I gotta try and figure out a new theme song, but hey, uh, that that's an we got some music, right? That that counts. That that counts. Uh, we should probably give a shout out to the people at the Free Music Archive uh, for for the great soundtrack. Uh, that comes courtesy of Aggie Toast from Game Music. I have to. Uh, that's that's part of the the quantity. I have to uh, figure out how that works and. Where to say thank you uh, for this podcast. Uh, uh, so anyway, for third-person reviews this week, uh, we have three games. I've watched uh, people play and have mixed feelings of. That's fun, right? Uh, so first things first, um, one of the games that people have been playing nonstop about this week has been God of War Ragnarok. Okay, I've already seen people play God of War Ragnarok that much. It looks beautiful. It is God of War. I'm gonna be honest, I don't feel like I need to play God of War Ragnarok. However, it looks it looks pretty amazing, but looking at people playing the game, I will be honest, I thought they were playing the other God of War game. I couldn't tell the two apart until I had to do some more research and see, like, oh, well, the UI over there is different. And, oh, well, the kid's a little older. Like, that's it. That's all the difference in, in certain levels at the end. Um, I don't have a PlayStation 5, so I can't figure out if I would buy this game or not. However, uh, it is my assumption that this is one of the better AAA games to have come out this year. Uh, and it still continues PlayStation's legacy of blockbuster movie-style games. So I think it's one of those, if you have this game, make sure you have like a high definition system, make sure you have surround sound, make sure you have a 4K monitor, and then have fun with it. Make it, it it's, it's your movie, basically. Um, the next is The Callisto Protocol. It's a spooky game. I don't like spooky, but I've seen people play this game, and let me tell you, it looks garbage. I don't like this game. I. It's not because it's just spooky. It looks like... Um, what's the best way to describe it? I see so many of these horror space games that they all... Like... Aliens Colonial Marines. Uh, what is it? Run Like Hell. Dead Space. Like, they all kind of look alike to me. I don't like the Dead Space series. I'm sorry. I know people are probably fans of that franchise. It's just I don't like horror that much. And sci-fi horror, that's a cool idea because then you can do alien jump scares. Um, but I don't like jump scares. Uh, so I understand the appeal of this genre, but it just... You see the trailer, like the commercials for this game, and it's like live-action people in spacesuits, and then you see the game itself, and there's still that same kind of suit in the game, but 
I don't think it's finished. It looks boring as hell. You know what it needs to have been? It needs to have not been survival horror and just should have been like a more edgelord version of Among Us. Like you had all of these people build their own like like uncanny valley suits in the spaceship and then have the murder sequences and your jump scares like a dead by daylight situation and just steal the Among Us because then it would have been a lot more fun. Um, but for what I saw of the game, it's, it, it looks like they took artifacts from the Doom game and they took the concept of Dead Space and they made a game that I think is more boring than my podcast. You know how I am pausing and I'm not cutting them out? So you're taking out the silence or you're turning it on double speed? Imagine that, but as a video game. I don't know about there. Watch out. Oh, we're almost here. That's the fucking... It's just... Uh, yucky. It does... I feel very disappointed for people who bought the game and are clearly just trying to talk themselves into saying why it's okay. Because I think, ideally, this game is a budget title. It should be about $10, $20, but they're charging full price right now. So wait till next year, Christmas, when it's going to be on deep sale. Or when there's a flash sale coming soon. Because, to me, it doesn't look like it's worth the money. Finally, Marvel Midnight Suns. Uh, Midnight Suns is an interesting game it looks like XCOM, but with marvel characters and marvel like snip snip bub it's me wolverine bub bub it's i would the thing is i think i would have liked this game more when if it was playstation 3 era jordan where it's like i'll take a game that's just a game for a playstation because i need some game but I think in 2022, when there's so many games like this and there's so many Marvel properties out there, I just I would have wanted this to have been a $30 title or a $40 title because I'm looking at this going, this is just the Mario Rabbids game, but with with like with like Marvel characters, that's this is it. Is the Marvel tax really worth it on this? I It, it doesn't. It doesn't. It has the same graphic appeal as the Avengers game, which I guess is the is nice, it's very beautiful, but it has the same gameplay as XCOM, but with Marvel characters, and it's that same strategy which I love. I love that kind of strategy game, but I just, hmm, I don't know. I look at the Marvel Midnight Suns, and I just think. They could have done more with the franchise. They could have done something different. They could have made us like Guardians of the Galaxy. But it, they went a different direction. They went strategy game. And yes, I knew it was a strategy game going forward. But it's just you beat the strategy game. You beat the one puzzle. And now, hey, here's a cutscene. Now I'll do another puzzle. Here's another cutscene. And it's just... To me, it feels like a game that... You, if it if it was me running it, and I don't know if this is the case, I would break it down episode by episode, not call it chapter by chapter, but make it episode by episode, and make like 
each like almost like a telltale game you have your group you have your cutscene, and then you have three little puzzles one that's a little easier so you can remind people how to get into it one that's more normal and then that boss stage you know that big boss level uh and then you 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 go through each three of those puzzles and sometimes it's not boss sometimes it's just like a big wave or something else like hey you gotta go into the institute get thing get out um it, it they, they could expand upon the storyline in a way that you know it would take about 20 to 30 minutes because i think this is the kind of game where you need to play in small doses now there are people who've already beat this game on the internet i don't know you people who played midnight suns the marvel game marvel midnight yellow yellow p p urine gold standard game but you're insane but it also makes sense. It seems like a game that could be done over a weekend. Um, that I want it to be more of like you're you're playing like a TV show. I would like it to feel more like a TV show than a video game. I know that that goes against the very nature of video games at times. But I think for something like Midnight Suns, just the way the story was looking like, I think it would have been better if they broke it off so you know when those endpoints are and when you could stop. Kind of like how XCOM does day cycles where it's like, this is the end of your day. And then they kind of are saying, you sure you want to go through the next day or you want to just take a break? Do that. I want those little breaks in the game. I know Mario does that with worlds. It's like, hey, we have four, wor like, like Mario, there's four little worlds and then you're done. I... I think Marvel should have taken a cue from that and just like had little breaks and also probably better voice acting. <laughs> Cause I just look at this going, Oh, okay. Now I could see why Bob Iker's back at Disney. That's what happens, right? It happens. Uh, but you know, I, of all three of the games, midnight suns looks the most fun. It's something I would probably play on steam when it's more on, say, like $10, $15, like, of all three of the games, that's the one. Also, Ragnarok, if I had a PlayStation 5 and a huge setup. Like, if I had full-on theater room setup, definitely Ragnarok. But Midnight Suns would be the one of the three this week I would probably play. But I know most of you are also playing Pokemon and now trying to catch them all. Anyway, next on the docket is the last segment we usually do, which is the YouTube wormhole. Take it away. So this week has been just a weird week of YouTube because I've been mostly watching video content of people playing all these games. I was really trying to figure out like what what else can I get into? So the wormhole is really those videos, but I just because it's guilty pleasure, it is post Thanksgiving Christmas time rolls around and that usually means a lot of Christmas commercials, a lot of uh, videos and red cups and all that. Now, first, 
I did the guilty pleasure of trying to find people getting upset about red cups again, because I think that's always funny. Uh, second, they're still, by the way, it's 2022. There are people still pissed off about Starbucks red cups. <laughs> the second thing is uh, what I like to do is look at some some commercials. Now, like here, you know, you get the Hershey do 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 You get the M and M's. Does Santa like red and green M and M's? No, I don't know. I never met the guy. He does exist. They do exist. Uh, Santa. Uh, there is the yearly kind of like Old Navy dance ad. There's all these sorts of these Christmassy ads here in America. In the UK, it's like the grocery stores have their Christmas things where it's like, hey, pick up the the little weird cake and pick up the clown meat. If I actually knew that was gonna I was gonna say that today, I would make that the title pick up the clown meat. Um, but yeah, those are kind of things or or the trains or Paddington Bear or Christmas speech or Christmas specials, BBC Christmas, Christmas at Royal Albert Hall, all sorts of things. But Japanese commercials, you know, we always knack at, at Japanese commercials because it's like weird American celebrity cameo and no one's going to know about it. Uh, but for me, there's a guilty pleasure of that because one, it's Japan and they have a and because it's Christmas, that means fried chicken season, which means a lot of KFC ads because it is just I, I think it's because Carl Sanders looks like in their mind what Santa Claus looks like, which I guess makes sense. But there's something amazing about those ads, because if it's not KFC, it's like 7-Eleven has fried chicken. We can do better. Or, hey, don't forget about us at McDonald's. We have 50 piece chicken. So I've been watching a lot of Japanese commercials this year, and there's a few Japanese YouTube channels that do all like compilations of these commercials every time. So I've been in a little wormhole of that because it is mostly commercials about um, about about like the, about like Mossberg or Hatsune Miku or phone app games or noodles. Uh, it's a lot of com like comedy duos doing commercials there, which is funny to me because it's like, oh, I guess nothing really changes that well. And then every so often it's like, oh, and by the way, uh, One Piece in theaters now. Like, okay, sure. Uh, I find them very cute, very amusing. And I, I honestly think America should take a cue from Japan and do a lot more ads in their style. Because it's, it's nuts. It's just too crazy, but too fun. And I don't think you can really do that. It just feels like social media influencers have already done that style. Um, but that's okay. Uh, the other wormhole is uh, a, a month ago, I talked about New York videos. Not because I want to move out to New York. But I've been trying to look at New York videos because, hey, Nintendo came out. I want to see more of that. And that started the, the spiral. Uh, it, it happened again because of the Rockefeller Christmas tree. So I watched uh, a couple of YouTubers. Uh, one is Here Be Bar, who is like a travel vlogger in New York, distinctively, who does like travel guides uh, across the New York City, where it's like, here's some f forgotten food items you could try in New York. And 
hey, here's 10 things tourists should know about New York, or here's the, and he was doing a video about, like, Christmassy things, and he showed, like, you know there's other things you can do besides rock the Christmas tree, here's some more, and I thought that was such a great video, <laughs> and it just landed to a downward spiral where I, I, I was watching so many videos, and now I kind of can pick up his cues, and it's very funny, um, because now it's like I can I I can read into him like because because him and Cash Jordan both say like the same things in their videos. They're very repetitive, by the way. <laughs> but in a way, that's very fun. Like Barrio, uh, uh, here comes by the Barrios gang. Hey, so I'm here in Greenwich Village tonight. We're looking at some delis. And we want to know what else you can do in Greenwich Village. Like, here's six forgotten landmarks you can do. And you should buy my travel guides. I go all sorts of areas. Anyway, so when tourists show up here, by the way, when you're a tourist, do not try and just, it's all bad. And also, like, if you're a tourist, people are going to ask you for money if they know you're a tourist. Do not go to Times Square. Times Square is not New York. You got to go somewhere else. And if you go to New York, you know, there's other delis out there. I don't go to this deli. I go to this deli. Jerry's doesn't have the best cheesecake. There are other delis out there. You know, if you want to do the tourism thing, don't go to Empire State Building. Go to the Summit. It's just, <laughs> it's just a real fun descent. Where it's like, I'm not planning on traveling to New York, but now I know. I should download every app. I should have money on me, but also in a bank. <laughs> and that and that money should be really used for tipping people. If the, I have a doorman, for instance. <laughs> I, I, I live in a fucking suburb. I don't know what a fucking doorman was until like a month ago. Is it like a concierge at a hotel? Is that like the best way to describe it? I don't know. Um, but uh, it's it was really fun uh, seeing those videos. And his view of New York is really, um, is really actually entertaining. Because it's like, he really comes from, from like a historical, but also like we know if you're coming here, it's food. We know if you're here, it's for work. We know you're here, it's for this reason. And he's coming through it with many different viewpoints on how you handle New York City in a way that's very fun. Like, I went through a lot of the food areas. So he's like, what's a bodega? You probably know if you live here, but a bodega is it. And it's like a convenience store, but a little better. And here's chopped cheese. And here's this. And there's the same. And it was just, I love those. That was like such a great video that I subscribed and then he did other videos. Like, he went to Ventura. He went a few miles up the street to one of my other home cities. And he's hung out at, at, the, at the pier. And he went to a few restaurants I went to. So it was kind of fun and awkward at the same time. It's like, so the New Yorker went here? That's I mean, that's awesome. He does tourism videos besides New York. But also, why has he went to that place? You know, the Busy Bee Cafe has been a long-running diner in the place. You know, he went to the museum, but you know there's that nostalgia store right down the corner. And he does know the movie theater is owned by Sean Penn. Or Anyway, it was it was a lot of fun. And the like the best video are just like him going like, 
when you're at the subway, nobody cares. Just look at your phone. No, do not talk to people. But if you want to make friends, you should talk to people, but not really on the subway because they have better things to do. You should go to a bar. You can go to a museum. You could go to the library, even though they talk. And time and time again, what I see is Torrance. <laughs> it's just, it's really fun. And then the other thing I watched was because he did like real estate, Cash Jordan is a real estate agent and he mostly specializes in, I think, apartments, which makes sense. It's New York City. It's pretty much all apartments, except for a few townhouses here and there. Um, and he, I would say, is the embodiment of New York, Cash Jordan. <laughs> like if if, um, if this bar guy is like a tourist guy, Cash Jordan is just like this easygoing guy who's just happy and then willing to just every so often flip shit on something. Like he goes, cause I was just looking at it cause it was in related videos and he's like, look at this penthouse. And I'm like, okay, I like penthouses. Like that's one of the, like in a fantasy world where a multi-billionaire, I would live in a penthouse. That's cause that would just be, you have the view of a sky. Although I was thinking LA myself. Um, I, I love this city. <laughs> LA is the best city. I mean, you, you, first of all, it's like New York, but I mean, you have to travel everywhere, but Hey, chauffeurs, limousines, taxis, Ubers, you're fine. But to, you just need a better public transportation system. This fucking place only has like a small subway. <laughs> but I watched, uh, and yes, he goes to the subway stations, but mostly he gives tours to the neighborhood and it's all just like him stating the obvious. It's like, Look over there. That's going to be your supermarket. And over there's the Chipotle. Their burritos suck. It's mostly liquid. And over there is the Popeyes. Their chicken sandwiches are to die for. And there's a KFC next door. But why would you go there when the Popeyes has the much better chicken sandwich? And you would have to be crazy to go to Burger King. But also, look, there's a classic restaurant there that serves Chinese all day. And because it's an old sign, you know it's good because it's been here for a while. And over there's a bar and over there you can get a tattoo because your parents will be happy about it. it just it keeps going from there. Um, it's just a very infectious happening, which which is funny because it's like I was going into his dissection. It's like he had like he shows his family from time to time. And it's a very like nice little family. He has a little daughter named Violet and the Wife is from Japan, and sometimes they visit Japan. And his view of Japan is almost like his New York videos. It's like, look at this, look at that. <laughs> it's, I like this guy. Um, but then to go into his actual like work, yes, he's a he is definitely a real estate agent, but he's a content creator real estate agent, which is weird to say because most content creator is like, hey guys, we're doing a challenge video. And he's instead using that same kind of delivery because he's looking at the camera, he's talking about the neighborhood, but then twisting it by basically becoming a real estate agent where he is saying the negatives of a place and the positives where it's like, hey, look, this is in the area. It's thirty two hundred a month and it's a two bedroom, which is good. But, you know, it's ground floor. You're facing the city. It could get loud. But if you do this, you should be okay. In the back, you see this kitchen. There's a lot of clearance. Look, a sink sprayer, and then he pulls the sink. The water flow is good. 
Anyway, look at this bedroom. There's a walk-in closet. And it's just a regular-ass closet, but he's saying walk-in closet. Maybe it is. I don't know what the definition of a walk-in closet is, but I think if you open the door and you can walk in, it's not a walk-in closet. That's a broom closet. That's the kind of thing you put your stuff in. But sure, it's a walk-in closet. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's like the coat closet. I mean, a lot of stuff is familiar. Uh, but then he goes into, like, all of the different utilities. Like, hey, you could put a bed here. You could put a TV here. Hey, this is a good place for a desk. And if you split this with your friend, it's about $1,400 a month. That's actually really good because the pricing in the market's like this. And he's actually trying to be on the side of like all parties involved. Like he's like, look, I know I'm on the side of the landlord, but I know pricing is low. Pandemic is this. And it used to be a seller's market. Now it's a buyer's market. And he's trying, I think he's really trying to be on the side of if you want to rent, I want to help you out and get you someplace good. Uh, in a way that is a very infectious. It's like you like, I like his style because he's a very underdog real estate agent. He has some slapsticky, he opens doors, he can't reach certain areas. And then in certain places, it's like, uh, he, he has, he has, I mean, he's a bit of germophobia. So it's like if a place is already lived in or there is clearly like bugs or something gross, he just puts his hand in his pocket. It's like, yeah, I'm not touching that, but I'm going to take a guess and say there's no sink sprayer. Cause look, <laughs> it's just good. So there's all sorts of like these mannerisms he says that are just really good. Uh, and then it's like, it evolved like there were i watched maybe like seven videos like he had his he now has a work like not work from home but he has like a little closet office now it used to be his big massive area and i think he's just i hate to say hustler but i think he is definitely of that mindset of new york is a great city if you want to live and work and i love this place but also you got to do something <laughs> like that is this and there was even a, and this is the last video I saw today. They did a collab video. Cash Jordan and Barr did like a collab of, hey, if you're going to buy real estate, if you're going to rent an apartment here, here's Cash Jordan. And it's such a, like a big twisty thing. And the only thing I could remember was they walk over to a Indian uh, deli and they had a samosa because Cash Jordan never had a samosa before. And I'm like, this is a great place because samosas are one, delicious, two, cheap, and three, depending on time of day, it could be, it pairs well with like everything. And I will, I once was in college. <laughs> I once was so, I, maybe I was just hungry or bored or daring. I once had samosas with a side of curry. <laughs> And I dunked the samosas in the curry. I don't know if that's legal. I don't think if you're su you're supposed to do that. But you're dunking this like fried meaty goodness into this this spicy sauce. That's not a sauce. It's like a real soupy. Th and it was just so flavorful, so good. And oh man, I can't replicate that again. And my tummy didn't like that afterwards. Now that I think about it. But it was such a great experience. But yeah, the, the Cash Jordan's a really good YouTube channel. I wish he did more tourism things, but obviously he has to work. He has to make money. Uh, and 
luckily he's doing real estate sales but he's also doing like his content creation youtube things that are very addictive so it's like hey here's a 12 million dollar penthouse in the middle of midtown manhattan look you can see the chrysler building you could see uh you can see empire state you can see one trade and then in the next is like hey uh, these are all uh, apartments that uh, have like the smallest square feet. And in this next video, watch me ride an electric e-bike across the city. Here's city bike, by the way. <laughs> and then he talks about city bikes. It's a real, real funny channel. And I think it's just because he can be authentic and funny and still offer that kind of thing that people kind of want which is not really an authoritative figure, but somebody who knows what he's talking about. So you can do that blend of I'm silly, but also serious at the same time, which is definitely not me <laughs> because I, I'm not an authority on anything. You can tell. Um, but yeah, so please check out those, especially if you're in New York City. I would definitely suggest uh, subscribing to those too. Uh, because they have a real fun viewpoint of New York City. They're both very vibrant and fun. Uh, Bar has different angles. Here be Bar has a bunch of angles. And Cash Jordan, even if you don't want real estate or care about it, it could be your new hyper-focus, by the way, because then you're looking at like, oh, well, that's front-facing. Well, that's a shower spray. Well, that doesn't... And, and you'll start thinking about placements of bathrooms. And placements of toilets. <laughs> it's that weird. Um, guess <laughs> it's my new hyper focus. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's it's so much fun. And yes, I suggest people should check it out. Uh, because I think, honestly, I think Cash Jordan's uh, videos are more of a real view of what New York actually is. Because it's a lot of side streets, a lot of side businesses a lot of weird stairs going up to a place and then go into a laundromat. It's not the glamorous kind of Manhattan TV show story and Barr's trying to explain that as well in his channel. But then he goes, but if you want that experience, and I know some of you do, here's what you need to do. And it's very pricey and expensive. And then here's Catch Jordan basically speaking to Jordan like, hey, this convenience store has Celsius drinks and also it has donuts anytime you want. And it's the hostess kind or fresh donuts. I don't know how they make it, but they're better than Dunkin'. <laughs> it's just great. Oh, it's so good. I I just, I like that. And now I want, now I'm getting hungry. And we also have a whole episode to do. Ah. Everybody and welcome to the niche podcast but the one thing i know something about game shows i suppose i'm your host jordan haas i i just wanted to play that for all nostalgia's sake 
It's December, so I decided it's a great time to do the year-in-review recap with these next few episodes, so I don't have to worry about them near Christmas and New Year's. First off, this year was one of the best years for the genre. A ton of new formats showed up, internationally, might I add, so if I forget any of them, I'm very deeply sorry. I mean, like, I tried to watch things in France and the Netherlands and Germany and Australia and New Zealand, Chile, Brazil. It's all over the place. <clears throat> so first off, press your luck. It brought back its audience, and that is the thing that's been missing audience feedback. I, I know Let's Make a Deal and The Price is Right have returned to pod-based audience participation, but much like a sports event, Press Your Luck lives off the energy of the crowd. It's the force that makes Deal or No Deal work, and in my opinion, that's what made Card Sharks in its second season such a downer. You want that audience to go, Deal, No Deal, Press Your Luck, one more time, walk away. Without it, it really doesn't make an energetic show because it's mostly luck as the case may be uh this month we'll see the debut of the wheel not to be confused with spin the wheel with dak shepherd and celebrity wheel of fortune with pat sajak the wheel started out as a game show born out of the pandemic and social distancing and surprisingly as things are lightening up the show has continued to be successful on bbc for three seasons I don't know how audiences will treat Michael McIntyre, but that theme song is very catchy. And I think some of the contestants in their recent episodes on BBC have been great, with some contestants winning nearly 100,000 pounds. I hope it does well here in America because it is celebrities. They're just like us. But it's a one in three. Who's it gonna be? This year also marked the most iconic tournament of champions in recent time on Jeopardy, with many super champions playing at the same tournament. Matt Amodio, Amy Schneider, Matteo Roach, Ryan Long, and so much more. The tournament used to be two weeks long, having a two-day total, and there were wildcard spots, but this time around, it's played practically for over a month, with second-chance spots played and winner-go-home spots at every game, leading to a greatest-of-all-time style first-to-three wins take the championship. This is a little longer way for somebody to win $250,000, and personally, I think it should be either shorter or the price should be a million dollars, right? I mean, I don't want to downplay this game and understand that the contestants are more or less playing for pride, but in old TOC, you win your qualifier, you win your semifinal, then you play your two games and that's it, four games in total. Here you're going through three games before playing up to seven to win, but eh, I just want to see the tournament structure more like Celebrity Jeopardy but I'm sure about that triple Jeopardy as a concept still. But hey, if you love Jeopardy, you'll know Ken has become the new host and has since resigned from the chase. And they brought in three new chasers this year, Brandon, Buzzy, and Victoria, aka the Lightning Bolt, the Stunner, and the Queen. And it's worth noting, Buzzy is the only one with Jeopardy repertoire, as Victoria is actually a highly ranked quizzer in the world, and Brandon has practically destroyed every quiz show in the world, <laughs> including University Challenge, and also is used to chasing. 
from the runner on Go90? Huh? <laughs> I'm probably the only person who remembers this. And maybe MadPat. But if trivia isn't your speed, you could fake it till you make it on Bullshit, hosted by Howie Mandel, where bizarre questions involve, how did you get to that answer that makes for dramatic reveals? In other new game show formats, ABC had Jenga, but with stuff in the form of The Last Straw, which had some very creative stacks of items, from candy to kitchen sinks, all very safe to have topple over contestants. I also appreciate it going for the tournament structure of gameplay, especially something that's as simple as removing things from a stack. Dancing With Myself also made its debut this year in something that looks exactly like the kind of idea that would have been in COVID-era production. 12 contestants, 12 boxes, and it goes down. We've come a long way since Dance 360. Fox is also aiming for syndicated gold to piggyback off You Bet Your Life Revival and 25 Words or Less that's in the form of two game shows. Pictionary, hosted by Jerry O'Connell, and a personal favorite for Best New Game Show, Person, Place, or Thing with Melissa Peterman, for being just a straightforward game show format that could have fit in the 2020s as it could have in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and more. There's also a cute little bird in the corner. CBS decided to get rid of Love Island, it's on Peacock now, in favor of a reality show all-star challenge in the form of the Challenge USA, which is exactly what you think. What if MTV's The Challenge, but Survivor and Big Brother and The Amazing Race, and yes, the same challenges on that show as well. Who will earn that respect of TJ Lavin? And while that wasn't necessarily a reboot, there was a few reboots that happened this year. First, don't forget the lyrics returned to Fox, but instead of Wayne Brady, it's star of the rookie feds, Niecy Nash, because it's music guessing game, which is pretty much all the genres on Fox, besides Ramsey Cooking Contest and WWE Smackdown, I guess. But on opposing NBC, Kiki Palmer, Fresh from Nope is hosting Password with Jimmy Fallon. Who will say a one-clue wonder and get that standing ovation? And MSNBC's Alex Wagner is the new newsreader-turned-host of the Netflix reboot of The Mole. Yep, it's The Mole. Can you figure it out within the first ten minutes? But if you were looking for TV's smartest game show, it wasn't on Netflix, but rather the Netherlands, as they attempted a reboot of the South Korean cult classic, The Genius. As celebrities from all skill sets try and break games and socially deduce challenges to win the game. But if you want something more silly, Taskmaster has continued its growth, not just in New Zealand and with an app to watch practically every version around the world, but also there's a new version that just debuted in Quebec, Canada. And there's a version coming soon to Australia hosted by hard quiz comedian host Tom Gleason. Hey, there's also the hottest new format, The Traders, as a version in Australia and United Kingdom and coming soon to the United States. It's big money mafia, essentially. But speaking of the United Kingdom, they are a creature of unique games. I mean, this year had Great British Baking Show have its most iconic baking contest yet. Tacos with Pickled the Gallo. 
Yum. It also saw the return of Jimmy Carr's game show, I Literally Just Told You, from Richard Bacon, the mastermind behind The Hustler. There was Ant and Deck with Limitless Win, where contestants could win infinity money, but one over is game over. There was a Battle Royale game show based on word puzzles called The 1% Club. There was a buzzer quiz with actual riddles called Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And there was a process of elimination show called One Question that asked, What is blue? With 20 wild subjects like a color on the Italian flag and a top 40 single by Weezer, which are neither correct. And if you like that clever ticking clock, Bridge of Lies also debuted that offers a maze of answers in relation to a category. It has a cool clock and I think it's one of the better formats to do things that fit in this subject. I will give my top five of these shows on my birthday because there are just so many shows like Only Connect that are still around and finding where it all belongs is very difficult for me. And that's not including Barmageddon with Blake Sheldon, where celebrities play bar games like Cornhole and Shuffleboard and Beer Pong, but on bigger scales inside one of his Nashville bars. I know, I, I probably forgot about Tug of Words getting a new host. I forgot People Puzzler is just as great as Family Feud and it's coming to syndication. I know One in Six Zeros existed with Daro Brian. Lingo is coming up in January, hosted by RuPaul. I'm probably forgetting about the American Baking Show on the Roku channel or whoever won American Idol this year. But you know, we only have so much time to cover them all. Ugh. God damn it, I f forgot the Run for the Money reboot on Netflix. Ah, I knew I forgot something. Fuck, it was so good. Hey, this is the part of the show where I say thank you for listening to a podcast with Jordan Haas. I hope you love this episode, and I hope you come back next week for another fantastic episode. Of course, this is the free version, so if you don't want to pay five bucks for the extended cut featuring a review of Traders, the final Taskmaster segment of the year, and a talk about Hallmark ornaments amongst the Paywall News segment and more, then head on over to patreon.com slash jordanhaas to find out more. But if you're done for the day, uh, feel free to do the whole thing that all these podcasters like to do and say, hey, leave a rating on the podcast of your place, like iTunes or Spotify, because it helps out boost the numbers. Uh, although I also would love it if you shared this podcast on social media so it gets more traction. Positive traction. I don't want hate listeners. Please no hate listeners. Uh, anyway, uh, that will be it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week we'll have another one of these recap things and a lot more fun. And I hope you will stay tuned for that as well. Uh, I hope you guys have very happy December. See you soon. Thank you.